Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Abu Dhabi Fight Island, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything, and we have a lot to talk about today. Calling Trump, politics, all the things going on. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, film, TV, UFC, but this show is going to focus on some very important topics today. And we have to start off the show with first, let me say hi, TJ. How are you? I'm, I'm great, Buff. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy, happy, happy New Year. I'm just disgusted that our first show of the new year, we have to talk about, we have to talk about. President Roosevelt said on December 7th in 1942 that it was a date that will live in infamy, right? January 6th, 2021 is also a date that will live in infamy. This is the worst day, I think, one of the worst days in the history of our country since December 7th, since I just 911, yeah. which was the last worst day. Um, this is horrific. I am absolutely pissed off. I'm upset. I'm hurt. It. I'm. I don't know how to describe it. I can't even put it into words. CJ, what I watched yesterday with what happened and the reaction from our president of the United States, which was nothing, is one of the most disgusting displays I've ever seen in my life. Am I off or am I on? Uh, I think you're pretty spot on here, Bruce. Um, when you look at things like this, it's not uncommon to have uh, a government proceeding um, kind of stormed like this um, worldwide, globally. But in the United States, we don't do things like that. We don't allow things like that to happen. And, and what really bothered me was online people cheering for this, Bruce. People egging it on, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. What happened yesterday, no one can support that. And if you do, I, I don't know what to say for you because your political views are clouding the difference between right and wrong in a lot of ways. Well, this was a premeditated action. Yeah. It was an action that was partially instigated by the president of the United States. It definitely As wasn't stopped by him, I'll say that. He didn't do anything. He didn't do a single thing. As a matter of fact, reports are coming through that President Trump and White House officials did very little to even check in on Vice President Mike Pence while he and members of his family are inside the U.S. Capitol when the Trump-backed rioters stormed the halls of Congress on Wednesday. TJ, if you think back to when the Black Lives Matters protests happened, peaceful protests that took place in Washington, D.C., where they received tear gas and police uh, interference so so Trump could go across to take a photo op. Remember when that happened? Right, with the with the Bible, yep. Right, and here yesterday when there's questions now, people are calling for the resignation of the Washington, D.C. police chief. Uh, so far, cabinet members, one of the Trump cabinet members has resigned. The House Speaker has called for resignation of the Washington State police chief. Um, other incidents are happening. Many Republicans, uh, President Trump's party, are, are voicing things to the fact of like, I just can't take it anymore, you know, along with the ones that are standing beside him. The, but the fact of the matter is, it's just like he hasn't said a single word about COVID in right. over a month. Yeah. What has he said about this? Uh, I mean, in a way, he, he supported the people that were there and also said, like, these things happen when you take away an election from someone. I think he said it like a landslide, landslide victory. 
The, the issue that I have with all of this is people fail to realize that the decisions that are made today inform decisions and um, sort of protocol on what will happen in, in the future. I'm a big uh, precedent guy, not president guy, precedent guy. And you set the precedent for how things are going to be handled. And when you don't condemn things like this and say this is wrong, you leave the door open for something like this to happen uh, in the future. And, and I feel like there's two sides to this in the sense that it's a very big deal. We can't tolerate this, but there's a lot of hyperbole as well where, I mean, I saw people saying that the people that stormed the, uh, the Senate floor should you know, be, be hung for, for treason. And it's like, ah, it's a little far. But at the same time, like you need to clap down on this in a way where it sends a clear message so it doesn't happen again. I don't know what that decision necessarily is, but something needs to be done, whether it's by the president or someone else of, of supreme uh, authority that stops this from happening in the future. What will be done, or what could be done today, is the inaction of the 25th Amendment, which is very difficult to it's enact. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but they're talking about it. Um, you have the other situation yesterday where, if this was during the BLM protests, with all the show of force of military and everybody that was surrounding the White House at that time, what do you think would have happened if anybody stormed the White House that day? Well, my, my belief is this. When you have citizens storming a Capitol, that's when you call the National Guard, is it not? That's w- well, when you use that's, force. That's right. But what happened is, is that Trump did not even call the National Guard. The National Guard was initiated by Biden, by Vice President Biden. Excuse, he, me, excuse me. No, by, no. Listen to me. Vice President Mike Pence. Pardon yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. okay. So he he's called one, it in. I, I didn't even know that he had the authority to do so. I read where he's the one that initiated it. Again, I'm going to look it, for more I mean, details. Bruce, we'll it doesn't them. surprise me, but that that kind of goes to the level of just insanity that this story is, right? Like, how is this not met with the most force you could think of by our government? Because you have a government proceeding, a very important one. Granted, it's more or less a formality than anything, but still, it was disrupted by civil unrest, and it was up to some police officers to handle Civil unrest with many that have been identified and are being arrested, and I hope they arrest and throw the book at all of them and set an example. All of them, okay? Uh, many of the people they arrested, only one was, if I read correctly, only one was a citizen of Washington, D.C. These are people that traveled right. to Washington, well, D.C. Well, I mean, there was a, there was a protest. Um, yeah. So yeah. that was organized. They have the right to protest. They have right. the right well, to protest. 100%. But the, the bottom line is it's the same thing that was going back to, you know, this summer is like, you and I said on this show multiple times, we're all for protesting, but please do not burn down the city. Please do not harm yeah, people. Please no. do not instigate violence on both sides, whether it be the police that are defending and, and trying to hold back the barricade and the people that are also meeting them there um, and, and speaking their mind. Uh, you have no right to storm the Senate floor. I don't care who you are. You, you don't no, have a right to do it. And tragically, one person was shot. Three are dead from serious injuries that died yeah. at the hospital, was the report that came in. They're so lucky that not more were shot. Shots I mean, were fired I'm, over a, a protest, Bruce. I'm of the attitude that if I'm a government, the House of Congress, the, the Capitol building, right. the White House, whatever, you storm that building, you break in a window, you're shot. I mean, okay. in you're other shot. countries, in other countries, for sure. Uh, yeah. that, that's something that I think... Uh, a lot of people don't really realize, you know, how this would be handled in, in another uh, country. Um, it would be handled. We'll talk about more about yeah. this because we have our our uh, we do our special guest, our, our covid specialist, Dr. Jeff Davidson, coming on the show. But I want to address this more um, as we continue. Oh, he's asking what your idea is. He's here, Bruce. He's, he's in the room. Oh, okay, so great. why don't All we right, just wonderful. take a quick break and we'll we'll come back with a good doc. Let's take a quick break and back with a good doctor. And we need to address this more when we come back. One hundred percent. It's time to begin! <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it. It's time! Now, back to the voice of MMA, Bruce Buffer. And we're back, and we're back with Dr. Jeff Davison, the doctor to the stars, the doctor to the star fighters, the doctor to the NFL, the doctor to the UFC, the doctor to emergency hospital in Vegas, the doctor to God knows how many other people. Let's face it, he's a doctor. 
And we're going to talk to him about COVID-19 updates and what's going on. And he's going to share with us show. We're going to continue our conversation on the horrific activities that happened yesterday in our state's, our country's capital. Let's start off. Do we have any good news? But let's start off with news. Hi, Doc. How are you? Hey, good morning to all you guys. Good morning, TJ. And good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we were just discussing the horrific things that happened yesterday, Doc. We'll go into it a little more. I'm sure you're as disgusted as we are. But I want to get right to the meat of why I want to have you on. We had you on, I think, early December, last November, um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is doing nothing but raging further and higher and more dangerous than ever. Um, with everything going on, and back then you were like, well, things are okay in Vegas or so. And then I talked to you a few weeks later. Vegas is on fire. Reno's on fire. You're in the front lines. You're dealing with this. Tell us the current state in your mind of where we're at. And also, I understand you got vaccinated, and I would like to know about that, your opinion on that. Well, first of all, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me back. It's always great to be on with you, Bruce, and with you, TJ, directing us from the background there and telling us when we're working and when we're not working. So uh, it was great. Uh, all the Wi-Fis were up and running. Yeah, well, what's the state of COVID-19? Well, the state, unfortunately, is it's very active. Um, you know, Nevada, like probably many other states, is in the midst of what? Second wave, third wave, fourth wave. I'm not even sure what wave. I'm just going to tell you it's very, very full. Most all the hospitals in Nevada, in Las Vegas particularly, are to capacity. Um, now, we have many COVID uh, patients that have come in with, you know, more moderate and severe disease that are now spending time in the hospital, which then creates a little bit of a, you know, a capacity issue for all the other illnesses that we genuinely take care of in addition to COVID-19. So I imagine that what Las Vegas is going through is no different than California and many other states. Um, that's the bad news. Um, the other bad news is, um, you know, everyone's talked about these mutant strains. Um, the first, the reality of this is the coronavirus virus, uh, which has four different genera, alpha, beta, and to others, uh, typically or routinely mutates every two weeks. And those mutations come and go and typically don't cause any issue. And the vaccines that we develop typically cover those very small mutations. It takes really genuinely big variations that catch on in large populations to create a mutant or escape uh, uh, strain that then becomes resistant to the vaccination process that we might be in the midst of. So good news is the vaccines are out. Uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines came out, as everyone knows, about a month ago, just about the second, third week of December. I completed both the first and the second uh, vaccination. Um, and uh, yes, I'm here to tell you, it was not a horrible process. I did have some soreness in the arm uh, where the vaccine was. Uh, but I was, I guess, maybe one of the lucky ones, had very few, in fact, no other symptoms at all. Uh, I have spoken with colleagues, and they have developed, you know, everything from the sore arm to some mild kind of disease-like uh, symptoms, whether that be a mild headache, mild fever and chill, mild body ache, or nothing. Most of it's brief, and most of that means that, guess what? The vaccine worked. All right. So with that being said, do you recommend that given the chance us as citizens after the frontliners, the elderly that are so in dire need of it, do you recommend everybody gets the vaccine, Doc? Yes. Listen, I think that for us to beat this virus and to develop the, quote, herd immunity, the, the, you know, the words we're all looking for, um, some of that's going to be people get the native illness and, and, and get over it and, and do well. And that is going to be a natural way to develop an immunity. But the only way to get over this quicker is for all of us to vaccinate. Um, and therein lies some of the discussion. Can we get the distribution out quickly? What's the process from the most uh, susceptible to maybe the most healthy people that maybe can wait the longest? And none of these are good answers, but unfortunately there has to be a distribution process. I do think there's probably plenty of vaccine. I also think it's very difficult to distribute it and I don't have an answer for that part of it, Bruce. Yeah, part of the difficulty is the Pfizer needs the sub-freezers, the special freezer, where the Moderna vaccine, you don't need that. They're both a two-step process. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, an issue, and there's nothing we can do about it now, falls with their leadership, President Trump, and the way that the CDC and everybody handled this. It should have been handled much differently. 
Uh, again, we can go back and complain about that all day long. The reality is we're in the situation we're in. So whatever it takes to get the vaccine, I know the rich and famous, there's rumors, you know, they're paying whatever they can to get ahead of the, you know, everybody in line. That's a natural thing that will happen in any similar situation that's going to take place. But the bottom line is we all need it. And you made a comment to me a couple of weeks ago where you said that 2021 is going to be the year of the V or the V. Could you please explain what you meant by that? Well, I don't want to put the fear or the scare into everyone, but I, I, I do think in 2021, uh, people will make decisions. And, uh, but I do think you're either going to get the virus itself or you're going to get the vaccine. Um, I don't think uh, at the end of 2021, there will be a large group of people that don't get either. Uh, you know, the, the, the virus has mutated into this new strain, the B117 strain that you initially said was only in the UK. Now there's greater than 60 cases reported in the U.S. that started in Colorado, now in California. So there are some mutations. And in the, quote, definition of the, one of the mutations that's out that we're all talking about is that it has a higher transmissibility. So it's even quicker trans, uh, you know, uh, transmit. The other thing they talked about is it's even quicker to transmit amongst younger people. So yeah. that will cause even a greater spread. So I just believe if we want to get back to some normalcy of life, and that means work and school and entertainment and sports and all the things that we all enjoy, you're probably going to need to get one or the other. And I'd prefer one to be vaccinated. I know. And I was told uh, originally when they started laying these out, how I was going to roll out that as a citizen or as an individual like myself, maybe not till March. Now they're saying possibly not till June, even fall because it's still got to be, they've got to get this thing together. And, you know, Bruce, I I respect and understand what you're saying because I've heard those same things too. But I also hear in the same breath, these people are downplaying what is going to be our new normal moving forward. Like I've heard that my son may not be able to get a vaccine here in the state of California until fall. But I also heard Gavin Newsom talk about schools possibly opening up in February. And it's like, what? Like, I thought we were waiting for the vaccine. Like, why would we, you know, have a clear timeline to where we can dispense this vaccine to kids, but then force them back into school environment in, in February? You know, it's it's tough. I mean, we listen, we'll have to deal with whatever comes about. There's no positive thoughts about it whatsoever. It's just about what happens, happens. And we're listen, every day is a new day. Right. Every day we're learning stuff new. As a matter of fact, you know, doctor, the, the after effects of the vaccine, um, you know, people are questioning what could be the after effects. We don't know until they happen. The after effects of COVID, my friends that have had it, one of my friends in particular, um, very active uh, woman, very active all the time. Now she's almost mm-hmm. narcoleptic. She hit nine o'clock hits. She can't, you know, she's falling asleep. Um, this has been going on for weeks. Pleurisy in her lungs and her heart. Is that going to be forever? Is that going to be for two months? Is that gonna, nobody knows? Am I, am I wrong in that? We're learning as we go. And that's just- I think you're right. Yeah, listen, Bruce, I think you're right. Listen, look how much more we know today than we knew when this all started in January, February, March of 2020. Right. We have a right. greater uh, care. We have a greater understanding of the transmission. We have a greater understanding of how to prevent. Um, and actually, even as of today, I've um, been discussing even some more preventative uh, medications or supplements uh, that are being uh, you know, discussed amongst uh, the, the, the medical uh, community. Um, so I think Bruce, you hit it right on, uh, that we're going to continue to learn and we're going to continue to improve our outcome. Um, but it will probably take most of 2021 to either vaccinate those that wish to be vaccinated or those that don't, uh, may unfortunately, you know, uh, get the actual uh, virus. Hopefully they all do well. I guess the next question that we're all going to ask is, well, how long is the immunity both from the natural infection? And then both from the, uh, the immunization itself, the vaccination process. Do we know, well, doctor, Do is there a clear timeline of what that uh, immunity is when your body is most resistant? What's, what is the window on that? I've heard three, to, three, three months to six months. Um, three months seems to be the popular thing, but uh, that you can get it afterwards. The immunity, well, you, doc, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Dr. <ahead>. Buffer <laughs> over here. Yeah, Dr. Buffer. No, no, listen, he, Dr. Buffer is pretty darn on it. I mean, I think, you know, we're all reading the same, uh, you know, literature. So I don't think Bruce is far off. You know, listen, right now the CDC does state and its updates that if you've had the uh, illness um, and it does depend on the severity of the illness. So we do think the higher the severity, the more antibody you would produce. And that would make sense. Right. If you have a very mild or asymptomatic case, 
you may not produce as much antibody response within yourself. And if you have a much more severe or critical case, we would expect to have much more antibody produced. Um, but Bruce is right. CDC says uh, for 90 days after an illness, you probably don't have to test because you probably have developed enough antibody and immunity to get through that time frame. Thereafter, no one really knows yet what is the rate of decrease, if there is a decrease in antibody, we suspect there is. The next question is, we just finished vaccinating myself and, and you know, hopefully millions more Americans will continue this process. What's the length and level of antibody we will develop? Um, you know, we read the reports that said you'll have a, up to 95% efficacy of not getting the virus, but that doesn't mean a couple of things. Number one, you can still catch the virus and then transmit it to someone else that hasn't been vaccinated. Right. You could still get a severe case, although it's a 95% confidence you should not. And we don't know when you get the vaccine, is this going to be an immunity that lasts for two years or five years and maybe just needs a booster every year? Or is this something that we're going to do yearly? Will, will the vaccine kind of change a little bit yearly like the uh, flu vaccine does? These are all great questions. And uh, we're going to have more shows to go over in the future because I don't have the answers today. I, you know, I, I love how many times you've, I think this is the fourth time you've been on the show, Doc, and I, I learned something new every time. And I think that goes to sort of, uh, prove the point that this is still uh, an evolving and changing story and we get more and more information. But as that uh, is said, as we know more, I still feel like people are getting more and more numb to the idea that we're in a pandemic. Like we understand the numbers are at an all time high, but I, I think that there's like an exhaustion level with just, you know, the, the safeguards that we have to take. And I think especially here in California, where, where the weather is, you know, always nice for the most part. People yeah. are, are just pushing that envelope because they're, they're just sick of it. And I, and I think being sick of it is ultimately why a lot of people are getting sick in the end. Well, they're also letting their guard down because they're getting sick of it. You know, at times there's many different instances that can cause a situation. You've got, you know, people not wearing masks still and out there like crazy. Uh, Doc, you, you know that uh, my friend Chuck Zito that comes to the UFCs, are you familiar with him? I am familiar with Chuck. Okay, Chuck just put out his Instagram yesterday. He's been preaching. You know, he's very much a pro-Trump. I'm not going to get into that. Chuck's a good guy. Uh, you know, like a brother to me. Um, but he showed himself a picture in the hospital with, you know, the whole thing on, the respirator, the whole bit, and basically uh, saying that he hasn't been on Instagram for 12 days because he has COVID. And wow. he's where he, he openly did not wear masks anywhere. And now he's saying, wear your mask wear your mask. This is real. In so many words, wear your mask, which seems to be a situation that's happening. But you brought up something that concerns me. My question I was going to ask you today is that if somebody like a friend of mine, or I have, I have actually, let me go into another situation. I have a friend who dates this girl, right? She got COVID and they have not seen each other now for like four weeks. Okay. You told me after 10, 14 <clears throat> days from the point of, uh, symptoms and everything once 48 hours of symptoms are over but usually the term is 10 to 14 days you're safe your COVID's out your antibodies are in whatever in the workplace where his where his friend works she's you know meets different people so now she has immunity personified right because she had a pretty serious case of COVID, okay and suffering from pleurisy in the lungs and stuff i i was told you know having issues and stuff like that so now he wants to see her She's past the point of infection, but she's out there doing her job. So she has immunities. If she comes up against somebody who touches her with COVID, breathes on her with COVID, what should he do? I mean, before she sees him, should she make sure she showers and clean and change her clothes? <laughs> and, and will that permit any transmission? Or can the virus get in somebody that has had it, has immunity to where he can see her and then he, she transmits it to him, even though she has immunities? in her body. Do you, do you understand my question? I do. And that, that is such a complexity, but let me try and break it down to some really basic parts. So, you know, we do say that, uh, or we do think that once uh, someone has uh, become COVID positive and after 10 days, their symptoms have resolved. And we all talk about that 24 hour on the 10th day where no symptoms without any fever reducing medication or other medication. We do say that you're safe, we feel, by the current guidelines to go back out into the school, school environment or the work environment, et cetera. Now, what we found in, in some um, institutions where we continue to test, uh, Bruce, obviously in the UFC, you know that, some people continue to test positive for weeks, if not months. And what we all are, have learned so far, what we think, 
as that a kind of a dead virus or some particles of virus or skeleton bones of the virus are still being shed, but are no longer contagious after this 10th day. So that's that part of it. The second part of it is that individual would presume to have had some anti you know, antibody now. They would have developed some antibodies because they had the illness. So you would say, well, they're protected. The third part of that question then becomes, can that individual be exposed, basically contract the illness again, not know it because now they have antibodies and then possibly be a spreader to someone else? I think the answer to that is yes. And I think the answer is because it's no different than a vaccinated individual. So I'll use myself as an example. I finished my two-part vaccination series. After seven days of the second vaccination, I should be up to this 95% and I have a pretty good antibody level. That doesn't mean I can let my guard down because I still got to protect my girlfriend, my kids, people around me, my friends like you, my, my, you know, my patients. So unfortunately, mask fatigue can't happen. We got to continue to either continue to be cautious until everyone's had the vaccine, the virus, or both. And that's why I want to hopefully get us in 2021. I, I, so I've what, got a bunch of questions. If you don't mind, I, I just like yeah, to ask I, one I question. Had, I, okay, go I ahead, had, Bruce. I just had to one based on the one question I asked previous. So what I told him I was going to ask you this. So what do, what do I tell him? I mean, could he see his girlfriend like normal? You know, what I tell him is I, I think everyone has to use their common sense. If, if she is working but using all of the social responsibilities that we're all discussing every day now, like you just said, you do wear your mask even though you have mask fatigue. You do wash your hands I don't know how many times a day, even though you don't want to because your, your skin is dry and chapped. If you use all of these social responsibilities, then by our guidelines in 2021 now, we are doing the best we can to prevent a reinfection or a primary infection. And it's no different than like, I come home to my family. You know, I think I've been very safe all day. I'm not gonna not see my family members that are around me. I'm, I'm gonna be around them because I feel confident that I've done the best thing I can do to be preventative during the day. Gotcha. So it's just it'll get back to the same thing, Doc. It's about practicing safety and protocol. I, I hate to say it, but that's the baseline. You're correct. Yeah. And the one last thing I want to mention before TJ, go ahead and ask your questions. Uh, we all remember Gilligan's Island. Yeah, of course. Remember Marianne? Yeah, I heard yes, this. We heard. I heard. She died. She died of COVID. Yeah. And I you mean, remember I, the famous, you remember the famous question, Bruce? <laughs> the famous what? Crush? Question. Question. Yeah. Marianne or Ginger? Thank oh, you. thank right. you. Jesus. That's what I'm here for. Thank That's what I'm here for, Doc. I, uh, I, I was kind of a ginger guy when I was a kid, but definitely Marianne as a second date would be great. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, God, God bless her and all my condolences to her family. You know, it's not about being famous and suffering from the disease. We are all created equal. It's just somebody we all knew. That's all well, I'm saying. You know, it, it kind of is to a certain extent for the greater uh, understanding uh, of COVID and, and the severity of it. It is about famous people and celebrities because it, it tends to impact, you know, people that are a, a lot more numb to this in, in general. And this is one thing I saw yesterday. Um, Dr. Dre had a brain aneurysm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, ICU wow. beds are, are very uh, rare. They're scarce here at this point. And uh, I saw people online like going, is he going to be able to be treated? And that that was one thing that I kind of thought broke through the guard of a lot of people that don't seem to really care too much about, you know, the state of our you know hospital occupancy here in Southern California. But that was one thing that made people go, wait, this I know this isn't covid related, but in a roundabout way it is. Is he going to be able to get the medical care uh, that he needs? And, and Bruce, I understand what you're saying. We're all created equal. We all need, uh, you know, to to be in the same hierarchy for vaccines and, and things like that. But famous people when they're affected make people think and, and i think that is is vital especially when we talk about the mask fatigue and and the safety and protocol people are just uh sick of it for, for the most part one thing uh, i wanted to Wait, ask you forgot about one thing while he okay. was in the hospital his house got robbed i didn't know that yeah they they totally vandalized his house and robbed him what's wrong with people they're yeah. assholes seriously many assholes out there yeah my god all right uh first question um We've, we've talked a lot about the test, Doc, and, and I know that uh, maybe this isn't the right vernacular for it, but I believe people have a viral load when they when they have the, the illness. It's, it's you know, how much they're uh, impacted in their blood. Like, when, when you get uh, tested for COVID, is it a, uh, is there a threshold? Like, can you have in a certain amount of, of COVID virus that 
doesn't mean you're necessarily positive or does the test show positive for any sign of the illness? So another great question. You know, the, the, the PCR test, which is the nucleic acid uh, test is, is a little bit to be more sensitive and quote the gold standard as compared to the rapid antigen tests. Um, and the difference being that in the PCR, which is the polymerase chain reaction, and then RT, which means reverse transcriptase testing, they'll take um, a swab from either the oral pharynx or the nasal pharynx. And really what that analyzer and process does is it takes that viral particle and it amplifies it to a level of which the analyzer can then identify this as a positive or negative. And when I mean amplify it, I mean amplify it. So, you know, one of the reasons for that is number one, so we have this giant no miss, right? In the beginning, testing was, we don't wanna miss any cases. So you needed this really big net to catch everything. There has been a lot of discussion on, are we over-testing or are tests capturing too much where maybe these individuals don't have these high viral loads or maybe like it's it's beyond 10 days and, and, and why is it still testing positive? But the answer was in the beginning, you know, these are very sensitive tests. They were meant to be very good screening tests and they were meant not to miss anything. So, you know, you have to balance that where we are in 2021 with 2020. The rapid antigen test, a little bit less reliable as far as duration. So prior to the illness or after about day seven or eight, as people say, the rapid antigen is not as reliable. But for those first seven days of illness, it's very good. Um, and that's the quote 15 minute test that a lot of people get or use in part of a algorithm of testing. So, you know, many of the sports that have come back um, uh, in action here in late 2020 or 2021, you know, most of those athletes or personnel around the athletes have PCR testing, but then later in the week or the event kind of moves forward, may just do what's called surveillance testing. And that's more of the rapid antigen because that very first PCR test is a very sensitive and a very broad test. And if you get through that as a negative, it's a very good insight that this individual is clear of COVID at this time. Right. Uh, okay. That's that's good to know. Another question. Uh, I've been to Mexico uh, a few times throughout this pandemic, and I've actually traveled with some people that had had COVID uh, prior to uh, going down there. They recovered and, and were clear. But when they were down there, Doc, they bought the, the malaria medication, hydrochloroquine, because in Mexico, prescriptions and, and antibiotics and things like that you can buy uh, over the counter. Um, these same people are kind of hesitant to uh, take the vaccine, but they're willing to go take medicine, which is mind boggling to me for a variety of reasons. But, uh, can I get you to just comment on the idea that hydrochloroquine, a medication that to my knowledge, doesn't really do anything against COVID. Is it something people should be taking? Well, listen, I, I, again, education is great. And, and, you know, maybe a year ago, I might've said hydroxychloroquine is a, uh, a medication that has some promise, I would probably say most of that views has burned out and, and there's pretty, pretty minimal uh, data and very few people that would support taking hydroxychloroquine anymore. Um, I thought you were gonna ask me about some other medications that have really come on the horizon like ivermectin and some other medications that have showed some promise. Um, you know what, what I would say is there's a couple of um, different uh, pools of people. There are those people that have been exposed and are now in what's called a high risk category because like you had a high risk exposure and what can they take to prevent, um, you know, getting uh, the actual uh, virus if, if there is such a thing. And then there's that group of people that have already had the virus, they come home and they're like, well, they're now home. What can they take to stay safe? So I'm just gonna kind of read off a protocol that I'm looking at. Um, and this is one that's been a little bit accepted and this is out there. Um, by a critical care alliance group. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, many of these, I think you already know. Most people will say in a preventative measure, prophylaxis, take vitamin C, right? Most people are saying take about a thousand milligrams a day. Take vitamin D, take about a thousand to maybe 3000 international units a day. Zinc, we're all taking zinc because we all know zinc's important in our protein. And it does have some antibacterial and antiviral properties. And I think that's great. Uh, the dosing's not clear. Uh, most people say, well, I'll just take 10 or 20 milligrams a day. You can actually take up to 50 milligrams a day. Um, and then melatonin. And a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, doc, I, I take that to sleep. 
Melatonin has also been proposed as having some properties that will assist in this preventative. And they're saying take anywhere from five to 10 milligrams. I tell people just to take based on their weight, five or 10 milligrams before they go to sleep at night, because of course, melatonin can cause some drowsiness. Now, the, some of the other medicine is called quercetin. It's, um, it's, it's one of the ones that's kind of out there now. And, and it's one of those ones being investigated as far as can it help? And the answer is a lot of people are promoting it. Um, and I'll let people look it up and do their own reading, but it's spelled Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Um, and it is definitely one of those supplements that many people are now promoting as it could be beneficial. Uh, the ivermectin is one of those medications that we came across that we've already been using in the past uh, and kind of in, uh, in a different treatment. Um, and, and, and now it seems to have some crossover like we've learned with remdesivir, which was initially used for other antiviral property uh, to have some uh, promise in this COVID-19 treatment. So again, education is great. We're moving forward. We're learning more and more. My hope is we all get vaccinated in this year and uh, there are less and less people that uh, will have to follow these preventative or post-treatment uh, protocols. Final question for me, Doc, if you don't mind, and, and Buff, I'll, I'll let you have <laughs> oh, your go, show go. back. Sorry, but no. I'm curious. <laughs> sure, sure, we've sure. talked a lot about mutation, and, and maybe this is an obvious uh, sort of question, but but I'm, I'm curious, you know, every, every virus evolves to some point, and from my understanding, uh, there, there's always a purpose for a virus to evolve. Yeah. You know, obviously, if, if we're vaccinating against something, that virus wants to keep thriving. So it changes its its structure and, and whatnot. But w- when you look at COVID, is, is there anything that is unique to these mutations? And, and can you see, is there any rhyme or reason to what sort of mutations it, it's going through and what the point uh, of this evolution process is for it? Is, is it becoming more deadly? Is it becoming more of a problem? Or is it more just it's trying to stay one? step ahead of the people that are combating it you nailed it so it's saying it's, it's it's just a virus viruses don't think they don't really uh have any existence without having a host right um and so they mutate they change so that they can continue to become transmissible and that's what we're all seeing with these genome changes that are very um so far not too significant there's been some mutations and we call them escape mutations um Listen, we're all, it's, it's the battle, right? The good and the bad. We're staying one step ahead with vaccine and with medication technology. The virus evolves because it wants to continue to tra- be transmissible. Um, you know, what's going on in, in, in the UK and specifically Britain is really interesting. <clears throat> and I touched on this in a meeting I was just in. They're now considering um, either changing the dosing regimens completely of, of, of the Pfizer and, and, and the Moderna vaccine saying, well, could we give a half a dose so that we could get more people vaccinated right. even quicker? Or could we do one dose and then wait even longer, up to 12 weeks? And all the answer to that is that's not how any of the, the trials were conducted. Right. So we don't have any data to say any of that would work. You know, and in a immunologist and epidemiologist world, they would say that's the worst thing we could do. Now you're giving the virus all kinds of opportunity to mutate and find a way around the vaccine. You know, we all get vaccinated, we create these antibodies. What we don't want to happen is for the virus to find a way around that antibody and change so that we get sick anyway, because then all we're back that, to square one. Exactly, all that does to me, it makes me think about is you're, you're providing a false peace of mind to the American public, but you're not taking care of the problem, right? You're lessening, you're, you're, you're cutting yourself in half, which to me just creates a whole nother slew of potential issues that you'd have to deal with. So stick to the gun, stick to the trial. Look, these vaccines were rolled out so fast. And if you investigate the history of Moderna and Pfizer, you know, one of the things you see, which I'm not saying anything, but I'm going to tell you right now, they have paid hundreds of millions of dollars in legal lawsuits and fines for fraudulent advertising. For, for, you know, all these different things. Um, That's every it, pharmaceutical company. I, every is. pharmaceutical company. So if the trial is a trial and it says, this is the trial, this is the way we just stick to what it is. Let's just concentrate on making as many of these things. And hopefully our leaders will get this thing rolled out the way it should. And they have not done a good job and hopefully they'll get better. That's we're, we're living in a state of hope, you know? Well, well let, let me say this about the messenger RNA. So, you know, January 10th of 2020, the Chinese researchers posted the novel coronavirus RNA sequence on a preprint server, January 10th. So literally three days from now, a year ago, we knew the sequence, right? 
scientists in this country and other countries already have what's called genetic platforms that could rapidly review the RNA sequence. And literally the first US clinical trials for vaccines began 66 days later after January 10th. That's how quickly this technology of this genetic platform was able to advance this over the old traditional platforms of protein-based vaccines where whatever the organism uh, was, it had to be grown in either uh, an animal cell or a chicken egg. It could have taken months and then it had to be extracted. It had to be killed or weakened. That's what we call attenuated. Uh, then it had to be purified. It had to undergo extensive testing. And that did take years. And that was the difference between this current technology and what was called protein-based technology. And protein-based technology vaccines are out there all over. That's what polio and that's what the flu are. That's what the hepatitis B and the human papillomavirus virus uh, you know, vaccines are all produced as. Um, but this new messenger RNA technology or this new genome platform technology is outstanding. The, the difference is, and the one thing we don't know is the stability of these vaccines. Mm. And the first thing that you all know just by looking at is, well, there must be something that's unstable because if we don't keep it refrigerated at these incredibly cold temperatures, this messenger RNA vaccine breaks apart and becomes basically you know, inactive or, and doesn't help us. So there is something to that. And I do think, and as I read and learn, um, that's why you get two doses. You know, the first dose of this messenger RNA that you get, uh, it presents to your body, your body uptakes it, it produces this um, spike-like antigen protein, which is the one that we're also worried about, the S protein, and you produce an antibody to that. Um, but the problem is these messenger RNA vaccines don't last long. So your body doesn't get a lot of time to recognize this this foreign protein and make a really big robust response against it. And so we're worried that maybe the B cells and the T cells, which are part of your uh, immune uh, system, may forget what they just saw. Thus, we give this second dose 20, 25, 30 days later, and we kind of you know, restart that whole machinery again, and we build this memory into our system. And that really is how these, these trials were based. I've heard a lot of people say, well, why don't we just give bigger doses? Well, that answer is kind of simple. You know, they had to find a dose that created a vaccine and an immune response, but didn't create a lot of adverse effects. No one wants a Bell's palsy. No one wants to have a horrible illness because they got vaccinated. Right. No one wants to have an anaphylactic reaction. So, you know, it's a significant balance. What's the safest dose to give? What's the frequency to give it with what we all hope is the longest response of your body remembering what it saw? So basically what you're saying in the battle of the V against the V, we all have a puncher's chance. That's what you're oh, saying. Really, Buff? Come on. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying. It's like there's no definitive thing here. We're, we're out there fighting. You know, we're hoping that we just survive this whole thing. If, you pe know? if, if people are listening, they think that I'm an a-hole for saying we don't have a puncher's chance. But people that are watching with that bottle, <laughs> that beautiful bottle of your bourbon on the screen, they know what I'm talking about. Cheap plug, Wait. but I like it. Thank you, but which the doctor has tried Puncher's Chance, right? Oh, I have. Give us the I review, have. doctor. Are, are you a bourbon drinker in general? Uh, I'm not. I, I'm more of a wine drinker, but I will tell you the Puncher's Chance on ice on a, on a nice evening is very good. Nice. Very good. So, Especially after go. the long days you have, Doc. I think you ought to throw yourself like three fingers of Puncher's Chance, if you know what I'm saying. Jeez. <laughs> I got to wake up the next morning and start all over. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, we don't want to interfere with your ability of hand-to-eye coordination, right? There so go. all good. How's uh, your, how do you, how's, hang on real quick. How's your fatigue level, Doc? We talk about people not wanting to do all the safety protocol, the masking. I mean, you're on the front lines fighting this. You've got to be worn down a bit. How do you stay so you know optimistic and energized? I think Bruce knows I go to bed extremely late and get up extremely early. And uh, I've always been fortunate um, to have a pretty good optimistic look at everything. Um, but I will be very honest with you. I have probably uh, as much mask fatigue as everyone. Um, I'm, I was a little saddened, you know, at the way our sports world has become in the last year. And I hope to get, you know, audiences and fans back out there screaming, yelling, enjoying themselves. And I, I really hope just to be able to enjoy things like family and friends again without wearing masks. So, you know, do I have mass fatigue? Absolutely. You know, the difference is in my line of work at the hospital, you don't have an option. The moment you're walking in the door, you're having your temperature taken, you're being asked all the questions if you're healthy or not, and you're not even allowed in the door without the mask. So, um, you know, it's more of a common uh, optic in, in my line of work, but I got to be honest with you, at the gym, 
everywhere else, I, I'm as much as any of you wanting to take that mask off so I can just see the facial expressions I miss, right? Right, yeah. I mean, you don't realize yeah. how, how social we are until we're not allowed to be social, right. and, and I, I've definitely felt that. Uh, one thing I, I just do want to say, I know you got to get going, uh, Doc, but you know, on, behand, uh, on behalf of fight fans everywhere and, and people like, like Bruce and I who work in this sport, thank you for everything that you have done in, in fighting this and, and getting the UFC to where it is today because they really have been the leader with safety and protocol and showing you know what sports can be like uh, when you take the right steps and you know, I, I think we're very lucky to ha- have a sport like this that is an individual sport. So you can, uh, you know, circumvent a lot of the uh, postponements that we've seen, you know, with like college football and, and a lot of, you know, questions of rule changes just to get a season in and get the right teams playing the right teams. But with, with combat sports, we, we really didn't miss a beat, guys. And that's that's one thing that I think myself and, and my family, for that matter, you know, someone who, you know, commands a, a paycheck in this, this sport, uh, man, I'd be lost without MMA. And, and you're a big reason that we've been able to... Uh, continue forward with it well listen in all fairness uh you know dana white who never loses the vision uh and bruce will tell you said we're going to continue to have sport i mean we obviously all took off uh last march because we had to kind of i'll say you know reboot and and, and recheck and get set but uh really dana had the vision and said we'll find a way and uh, i mean he, he really just challenged us all whether it was the medical team the legal team the coaches, the referees, uh, you know, Bruce, whoever, to just say, we're going to continue. So let's figure it out. And, uh, you know, I have compliments to the, the people that have the vision to say, I'm not afraid. Uh, you really got to have leaders like that. And um, he, did a, he did a great job. And I think, like you said, that showed uh, that other sports, whether they were team oriented or individually oriented, could also find a way. I mean, who, did you think we were going to get through the NFL season? I, I mean, seriously. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Did yeah, you think we're going to have an Alabama versus Ohio in, in uh, four days? I, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Well, with that being said, we're going to sign off here in a, in a minute or so, Doc. Um, we're going to Abu Dhabi. Are you going to Abu Dhabi? This, this is the uh, last one I will not attend because now that I'm vaccinated, I think the uh, kind of the guidelines of the international travel will not be so strict with me, and I'll be able to come back into Las Vegas and uh, go to the hospital and do all the other things. So this one I will be uh, watching you guys on uh, the UFC fight pass, as I hope you will do well, and I'll be watching. Very cool. I noticed a little increase, it seems, in the safety and protocol we're going to go through this trip. A little tiny bit more than last time. You know what? I think what it is, we, we adjusted it, uh, Bruce, so that maybe it's not, um, the testing isn't so, I'll say, drawn out. It's a little bit more time uh, shortened. Right. However, uh, some of the safety measures are just as far as interaction with staff over there. Uh, I'm being a little bit more careful because they've loosened up their restrictions. So um, some of the staff that we will be interacting with over there, um, instead of being on a two-week quarantine prior to you all getting there, will not quite be on that same length of quarantine. So I do want everyone to use you know, as strict a social uh, responsibility as I can institute over there and still make it reasonable for everyone to have you know, a reasonably good time and enjoy the sport. Hey, it's the W Hotel. It's a five-star bubble jail. <laughs> five-star luxurious bubble jail. That's what it's going to be for me for the next two and a half weeks or two weeks. Doc, I really can't thank you enough, as always, for your, your intelligence, your instructions, your information, everything. It's a lot to digest. Uh, in a few sentences, let me ask you, how did you feel about yesterday in the state of our country? Oh, boy. Um, listen, I, I don't think anyone um, wants – here's all I want to see. I always want to see – um, fair elections, and I always want to see a good transition of power. And, and right. to me, um, we have to respect all those. If we can improve upon things, we're all in the same boat. We want to see anything improve. So if there's a better way to have an election, well, we can do it. We can learn. Um, but there always has to be, that's our, that's our constitution. That's the basis of this country, country. And that's the foundation why we're a great country. There always needs to be a smooth transition of power. If that's not the one line you learn, about the presidency every four years or every eight years, you're probably not paying attention to what we all uh, have been brought up on. So, right. you know, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to see anyone ever be threatened and hurt. That's just not no. right. No, it's a very sad day in our history. Very sad day. Um, I could talk to you a lot more about everything we've talked about. We could be on the, uh, the here meeting here for another hour, but I know you got to go and save people and help people and be the great doctor that you are. I have so much respect for you aside from being my good friend, Dr. Jeff. And thank you. thank you so much for being on the show. Just stay safe. 
Keep up the good work. Stay safe. I feel for all the frontliners that you work with. I can only imagine how exhausted they are. And I hope this calms down, not just for the benefit of the health of all of us as American citizens and in the world itself, but for the benefit of the amazing job that you guys do every day before and after this pandemic hit. You have nothing but respect for me. And I bow to all of you right now. Much appreciated to both of you. And let let me give a quick shout out and say thank you to all the nurses out there, the nurses, all the all the technicians, all the support staff. You know, a lot of times um, the doctors may get some credit, but really, really cannot be done without the great ER nurses, ICU nurses, all the hospital nurses everywhere. So shout out to all them. And thank you guys for having me, Andre. I look forward to our next meeting or our next uh, our next podcast. Thanks, Doc. I even get requests from doctors and nurses across the country in the videos I do. They want motivational, like, give us a shot in the arm. So if you ever need any of that for you at the medical center you work at or whatever, you just let me know. And it's anything you want is anything you want, period. I I much appreciate it. All right, Doc. Take care. I will see you in Vegas when I get back for the shows come March. All right, February. Excuse me. Thanks, guys. See you, Doc. Cheers, my man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. There he is, the good Doc. Always, wow. always learn something new, Bruce. Always learning something new. And it's just a lot of information. I just, I'm still digesting it. Um, but I, I'm the one that's got to go now, T, <laughs> TJ. So all I can say is that uh, so much to talk about in the show. I'm very sad about what happened. Let's hope that everything comes together. And uh, let's just look positive, okay? Let's end the show on a positive note. Anything you want to tell the audience before we leave? No. Um, extra rounds. My uh, show on UFC Fight Pass is starting uh, on Monday. Uh, myself and Forrest Griffin are going to look back at some of the stranger things we've seen in mixed martial arts. Obviously, focus heavily on 2020 and the year that was, but we'll go back in the archives and just look at some of the random, weird, strange occurrences that have happened in uh, mixed martial arts fights uh, in the past. And then, obviously, uh, we'll be back uh, normal uh, for extra rounds on, on Wednesdays and Saturdays as we uh, get closer to the return of Conor McGregor. And uh, just hopefully everyone will check it out. We're live on Facebook, uh, but you can always check out the archive on UFC Fight Pass. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, lots to look forward to as far as UFC action and MA action this month. TJ, happy new year, my friend. We have another year to go. Our 12th or 13th year together come May. I forget which one I stopped is, counting. I stopped counting. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, it's it's a great way to walk down the uh, the pathway of life with you doing our podcast. It's my pleasure, I Bruce. I, I appreciate every episode that we get to do. We'll hit 500 this year, so I'm excited. I know. That. I know. It's coming up. All right, TJ, you have a great week. We will do the show from Abu Dhabi next week when I, and the week after while I'm in Abu Dhabi. We'll figure out the times and everything else. And uh, with that being said, everybody, practice your safety and protocol. Be good Americans. Stand up for what is true, what life is all about, and let's always be the best we can be. As you walk down that path of life, be the best you can be so you're a winner. Let's all keep winning. There's so much negativity around us. Let's try to be the best we can be as individuals, to be role models for our sphere of influence so we stay on the right path. Wear your mask, practice your safety and protocol, be aware of everything going on. God bless America. God bless our great country. And God bless you all. Whoever your God is, I hope they bless you. And I mean that very sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Happy New Year, everybody. See you next week from Abu Dhabi. It's time to be the best we can be. Happy 2021. Cheers. It's Time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only. 